0: You are listening to the Car Guide Podcast
1: with Louis-Philippe Dubé and Gabrielle Gélinat. Good day, everyone, and welcome to the 10th episode of uh, the Car Guide Podcast. Uh, My name is LP, I'm your host, and I'm with my co-host, Gabrielle. Gabrielle, today we have a lot to cover. A uh, lot's been going on. I've been on vacation in a little bit and you've been uh, going around the world a couple of times. I believe. <laughs> you told me all about it. But of <laughs> course much, yeah. there's been a lot of, uh, lot of, lot of traveling, a lot of driving uh, going on and a few things in the industry that we want to uh, talk about more precisely in uh, the Canadian automotive industry. And today I want to kind of spice things up uh, because uh, the vehicles uh, that we've driven are pretty important. I'm getting a lot of questions about them and uh, we want to start we want to kick off this uh, podcast episode uh, with our drives uh, followed by uh, after our drives we'll talk about uh, what happened in Ontario with Volkswagen uh, putting together uh, plans for a plant a battery plant in uh, in Ontario as well as Michelin investing in Nova Scotian automotive industry for tires uh, we're going to talk about the Kia EV9, uh, the three-row SUV uh, from Kia that's been unveiled officially uh, in production version uh, this week, as well as the Audi Active Sphere, uh, Active Sphere concept uh, uh, to, to finish. So, uh, without further ado, um, I was in California uh, last week to drive, to finally drive the uh, the 2023 Subaru Solterra. And uh, despite driving the the BZ4X or the BZ4X, depending on where you're from, (laughs) how you call it, uh, from Toyota, which uh, as you may know by now, both uh, both vehicles share the same platform. It took about a year for us to put our hands on the uh, Subaru uh, variant of, of this platform, which is the Solterra and uh, um, driving these vehicles in California the last time with the pz4x was the same as it was in California and the Solterra was under the Californian Sun, sun as well uh, it doesn't uh, it's it represents the drive driving dynamics but it doesn't represent the uh, the winter reality of, of Canadians and I, I get a lot of comments a lot of questions about about these vehicles because a lot of clients from Toyota and Subaru want to make the switch to EVs and you know these two vehicles being the first full global production vehicles for, for these respective automakers. Uh, there's a lot of questions about well, should we make the switch now? Should we wait uh, for another vehicle from, from Subaru or Toyota? And, and hopefully we can answer that. Um, uh, it, let's start with the good stuff. Uh, the Solteria is just like the BZ4X. It's a good package. It's a good size. It's got enough horsepower. It's 215 horsepower, 248 foot-pounds of torque, which is as we always say with electric vehicles, you know, plenty to start off the line. Uh, main difference between the BZ4X and, from Toyota and the Subaru Solterra is the fact that the Solterra is, uh, is uh, exclusively available in all wheel drive configuration, which is a two motor, uh, one in the front, one in the rear. And the BZ4X is available in both front wheel drive and uh, all wheel drive variants. But let's keep it with the uh, Solterra. Uh, It shares a whole bunch of stuff with the PZ4X, starting with the interior. Uh, Pretty much the same looks inside, same type of comfort. Uh, Obviously, the badging is different, but we noticed that the infotainment system is exactly the same as the Toyota, which is the new Toyota uh, infotainment system. It's it's. I I believe it's much better than what uh a Subaru would have done in that car. Uh overall good comfort, uh good feedback from the steering, uh good accelerations. It's got a a decent uh a package for for a small family. Uh plenty of space in the rear, uh and uh you know, according to to uh, the roads the the, the roads what that that we've driven in on, they took us to a uh, a small off-road portion to test out the the drive modes. Now, Drive modes with the uh, uh, the symmetrical uh, electric uh, all-wheel drive system, which is now what what uh, what uh, Subaru calls it. There used to be a whole bunch of drive shafts and and prop shafts and and differentials uh, uh, for other uh, uh, Subaru uh, uh, vehicles. The the uh, ICE powered, the the, the gas powered uh, Subaru. Uh, vehicles are all equipped with a whole bunch of equipment to be able to make that superior all wheel drive that we found in, we find in Subaru uh, for the solterra it 's all computers and wires, so uh, one motor in the front, one motor in the rear, and these motors communicate with modules and cables and uh, they do it they do so very quickly uh, very swiftly so if you take the solterra off road and you go through the little you know mud dirt uh um uh x modes uh you'll be able to have a satisfying experience nobody's gonna really do that but subaru owners uh, love to know that they can uh take their their subaru off the beaten trails and testing the solterra in some mild light duty uh, off-road activities was was you know satisfying it showed us that the vehicle can do it although it feels pretty damn heavy uh, uh on the trail uh all of this is very good. Uh, the, the, less, uh, the, the, the portion that I liked less is that just like uh, the BZ4X, the Solterra and the uh, Lexus RZ that you're going to talk to us about in a few minutes. Uh, the charging capacities on these vehicles have been limited in order, according to the automakers, to protect the battery on the long run.
0: No. Yeah, so you can only charge it with a maximum 100 kilowatt. Exactly. uh, Level, a level of charge. And we all know that uh, some high-speed chargers are able to deliver much more than that. Yes. And more importantly, that a lot of uh, vehicles, electric vehicles from rival manufacturers like Hyundai and Kia and Genesis, yeah. can take you know a higher mm. level of charge, yeah. than 100 kilowatts. So the more the charging time is is definitely an issue.
1: It's the first yeah. issue. More, uh, more, you know, you look at the Hyundai uh, Ionic Five, the Kia EV6 can go up to 225 kilowatts yeah. on a 300 kilo, a 350 kilowatt uh, a charger that we we you, you find from Electrify Canada, from from other manufacturers that you'll find uh, uh, yeah. on Canadian <clears throat> highways. <laughs> (laughs) Petro-Canada. Petro-Canada as well, yes. Uh, And what that means is that um, uh, saying that, well, it's more than twice for for these rivals, uh, that means longer times, uh, longer wait times on the the charger. Now, if you're doing more, uh, most of your charges at home, uh, it doesn't
0: really, really affect you, except... Except for the fact that the onboard charger is 6.6 kilowatt. (laughs) Yes. And so when you plug on a level two... Um, for the RZ, it's uh, nine and a half hours to get a full charge. Yes, you know, which is a little bit, which obviously much more than um, than than some some other vehicles, electric vehicles were able to get a hundred percent charge yes. in less than eight hours. Yes, and uh, sometimes as low as six. So, you know, when you th- talk about an onboard charger that's six point six kilowatt. That's the same as you've got in the Mitsubishi Outlander PHEV. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, okay, right. That's a
1: PHEV. It's mm-hmm. not a full electric. So you don't need so, to, to spend that much time exactly. to charge it. So yeah.
0: the, the speed of charge, whether you're on. Uh, whether you're on a, a fast charger or you're on a level 2 charger is slower mm-hmm. much slower yeah with the Subaru Solterra with the Toyota bZ4X and with the Lexus RZ because it's yes. basically the same battery and the same electric architecture yes mm-hmm. so
1: it, you know it, it it'll affect that and if it, what the, the the main question is that I asked at Subaru was that why you know why are we going so low? And they said, well, you know, because we're always we want to keep our reputation for reliability. Uh, the the we're, we're our engineers have showed us that you know the 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 faster the charge, the more battery degradation is going to be on the long run. Um, Subaru and Toyota, for the same matter, uh, want to. I uh, warranty their battery for eight years and 160k, which is which is t- c- kind of a standard now. But it's 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 a good warranty. But they also said, without warrantying it, they said after ten years the battery shouldn't be uh, less than 90% capacity. Exactly, that's the same same answer from from Lexus. From Lexus, right? Exactly. So that's what they expect. That's yeah. what
0: they're shooting for. But they're
1: not warranting it. Exactly. Yeah. So, but it's it's you know it's a good argument, but. The, the problem with the 100 kilowatt thing that I have is that in two years or three years, you know, I was speaking to the engineer. I said, well, most chargers on the on the highways are not more than 100 kilowatts. You get 50 kilowatt ones, most of them. I'm like... I agree now, exactly. but in two years, it's gonna change. It's gonna change. Gonna, it's yeah, gonna yeah, change. There's, yeah, okay. Tesla just came out with the uh, with the the there uh, uh, other superchargers that are gonna be you know as much as five hundred, and then they're gonna be everywhere. And then Tesla will now lets you charge on their chargers, mm-hmm. so so people with Ionic Fives or EV six or mainstream vehicles can charge on Tesla, you know, and and, and use the the their, 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 their most uh, of their capacities of their battery that can take, and. If you're buying a BZ4X or you're buying a Solterra now, and you're saying, okay, I want to keep it what, in 10 years, uh, and then, well, it, it kind of devaluates the vehicles now in the first few years, because in the hopes of having a better battery in 10 years, which is a, a, a gamble that everybody's now playing, uh, okay, whether we're going with performance or or reliability on the long run, but nobody knows exactly what's gonna happen with these technologies.
0: Yeah, exactly, so that's, you know, that's, I mean, let's face it. That's Toyota, and that they're so conservative, yeah. And there's as a company, yes, as a a, so you can understand why they would choose that path. But at the same time, um, yeah, it's it's going to become an issue if you're going to need to do some some fast charging. If you if you if you intend to do long you know long trips with your with your vehicle and like that, like you're you're going to you make use of high speed chargers Mm -hmm. because you're covering a lot of distance. Just that, you know, the, the fact that you're going to be parked for a longer time with that vehicle. Exactly. And you won't be able to charge it and, on a high-speed charger more than twice in 24 hours. Well, that's, that's a, the big issue.
1: Yeah, that's yeah. another thing, because that's what I wanted to mention. And you and, and you said it, the the engineers at, at Subaru said, okay, in order to protect the battery, it's not only about charging performance, but also the Solterra and the BZ4X and the RZ, for that matter, are limited. You, you can only charge them twice on a high-speed level three charger per day. Mm-hmm. That's the computer. That w- that's what the computer will let you do. Uh, this is a problem for uh, a person like me, for example. I live in an apartment building in a condo building that's not equipped for, for charging, which a lot of condo buildings in Montreal are the same. And I when I want to get somewhere, I always end up coming out of my condo and saying, oh, damn, you know, I only got 20% charge. I end up at a high speed charger to start the day, you know, get on my laptop, wait until it charges and then go on for that day. But then driving that car, I only, I know that I only have one other time that I can charge quickly. So if I'm going to Quebec City, I, I have to park it there on a level two charger, not on, not on a high-speed charger. I can't, yeah. I can't come home that night. <laughs> yeah,
0: it, <laughs> so, <laughs> it, it, yeah, it kills spontaneity. <laughs> it kills your flexibility. And you flexibility
1: and, and, and those words that yeah. you just said, the uh, spontaneity and, mm. and flexibility, are Subaru owners' exactly. uh, mantras, you know? They, and what I'm wondering is, are is Subaru owners, current Subaru owners gonna follow Subaru? in that you know solterra venture and and say, okay you know we'll give up, I'll give up my my my, uh, my legacy or my outbag and say well you know we'll, we'll I'll just go with a solterra and and do yeah. the eV switch with subaru it's not going to happen you no, know of it's course g- not. it's going to be tough for them yeah, of course I mean the vehicle that we 're going to talk about now is is, is uh, it's going to be different because I want to see your input. I want to know your input on the Lexus RZ, but I think it's going to be different
0: Well, you know the Lexus is this um, first of all. Um, it is based on the same architecture, the E-TNGA, which is yep. electric Toyota new global architecture as the BZ4X, as the Subaru Solterra. So the same battery power is a little bit different, you know, because it's a Lexus. They give it a little bit more power, talking about 308 horsepower total and a little bit more torque. Um but apart from that, it's the same thing. Like, you know, like what we just discussed with the with the charging, it's the exact same thing because it's the exact same battery that's in, that's yeah. in that car. A, a few words about you know like the styling of the of the RZ. For me, it looks too much like a Toyota <laughs> BZ4X. Does it? Yeah. And it looks too, you know all these three vehicles. You know, of course, there's different, you know, styling cues and, you know, little small details and things like that. But basically, they pretty much look the same. And when you compare that to what Hyundai, Kia, and Genesis have done with the same platform, same architecture, same thing, you know, they're using the exact same playbook as Toyota, but Ah, the cars look exactly the Ionic 5 looks completely different. Yeah. The Kia from the Kia EV6 and the GV60. Yeah. And in this case here, we're looking at three sort of like cookie cutter. Vehicles, yes, and in terms of the Lexus, yeah, they've done some, they've done some styling tweaks. Yeah, they, they, like the um, uh, the famous spindle grille that you have on on traditional Lexus IC powered cars. Yeah, you know it's been reinterpreted because you know with some like ribs on the sides yes. and things like that. And but apart from that, you know it it looks very much, uh, very much like a Toyota, very much like a Subaru. There's nothing. Um, when you look at the vehicle, that screams luxury, you know, okay. to you. Uh, they do have, you know, a two-tone paint job, mm-hmm. you know, which you know, which we, I, I actually drove a copper and black uh, vehicle when I was uh, at the launch. Yes. And uh, <clears throat> in terms of um, driving dynamics and handling and things like that, so, uh, again, uh, direct for all-wheel drive, electronic uh, all-wheel drive. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Fast response. The car doesn't feel like it weighs two thousand kilos. You know, that oh, was good. a bit, a bit surpri- big surprise for me. I was expecting good. the car to be a little bit more sluggish or not quite dynamic, but it actually handles pretty well. And I think that the credit goes to the uh, Direct Four system, which I, uh, it's pretty well calibrated. Yeah. Now, <laughs> one thing that's interesting. If we look now at the the interior of the vehicle, again, it looks very much. Like the Toyota, same screen, same uh, uh, same basic layout, and again, you know, it's a Lexus, so you expect, you know, high levels of uh, craftsmanship or or material quality. I think yeah, something like that. A lot so of this, things that Lexus talked to us about in the exactly. assembly of their cars. Yeah, so the the build quality is there, uh, but you know, again, nothing in that interior screams luxury to you. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Does it have a lot of piano black plastics? Well, it's not necessarily that, but it's a, It's like there's a, you know, you're basically looking at a, a large screen. There's none of the you know the, the the very fine details that you'll find on some of their uh, trim levels, yes. upper trim levels of of some of their cars. Obviously, the LC is, yeah. is, is way out there in terms of the the quality of materials. Right. So we're not expecting that in this vehicle. Yeah. But nevertheless, it would have been nice to, to have, have a, a, yeah. a little bit more of a subtleties, luxury, and, luxury and, touch, yeah. you know, so to speak. One thing that's interesting. There are two steering systems that are going to be available on this car. A conventional steering system with a round steering wheel and a steering column with a rack and pinion steering and all that. Yeah. Very conventional. But they're going to offer, as an option later in the production cycle, a steer by wire system with a different steering wheel that's a yoke. You know, Mm -hmm. it basically looks. If you if you picture a butterfly, you know with the with the wings yep. extended, that's sort of like kind of like what the the steering wheel looks like, and so it's not round. Obviously, it's it's a yoke. It's a yoke, like the Tesla but, Model S, and and, and, and yeah, and then this is meant so that you know it doesn't obstruct the view of the uh, of the instruments <laughs> and things like that. But more importantly, there is no mechanical link between that steering wheel and the. The, the, the steering the, system the that steering actually system. turns the Yes, wheel. it's all wires it's and, all and computers. Yeah. So basically, you have a, a sensor on the, on the steering wheel that measures the amount of lock that you're giving, and that sends a signal to the device uh, that actually turns the, okay. the front wheels. Now, because it's electronic, it can be variable in terms of uh, the ratio of the, of the steering. So basically, what they're doing is that they have tuned it so that at low speeds, you don't have to cross your hands on the wheel even to go to full lock. You yeah. basically move your, if you're turning to the left, you would move, you know, your right hand up to 12 and then up to 11, and that's as far as it goes. Yes. Okay? And that will give you maximum lock okay. on the steering wheel at slow speeds. And first of all, in both cases, I think that the uh, the uh, turning circle is way too big <laughs> on both vehicles. But yeah. coming back to the steer-by-wire, the when you're driving that car at 100 kilometers per hour, the steering feels very natural. It feels like a conventional car. Right. But the steering ratio changes every time the speed varies by five kilometer increments. Oh, my increments. God. So, and, and we were testing it in the south of France, windy roads, a lot of roundabouts. So <laughs> imagine this. I was like coming up to a roundabout, braking, yeah. turning a little bit, First, and it was giving you left. different and feedback. It's giving me a certain amount of lock. Uh-huh. But as I'm breaking and in into the into the roundabout and turning right, now I have to constantly adjust the lock because the car is slowing down and now the wheels are being turned more uh-huh. you know, because of the speed. Okay. So it's going to take a lot. Of, obviously, the engineer told me they're still fine tuning it. Yes. They're not, you know, so it might not be what the final vehicle will. Behave like. Mm -hmm. Well, what I found is that you had to make, you know, basically a vehicle behaves differently whether you're driving it at 95 kilometers an hour, 75 kilometers an hour, 55 kilometers an hour, (laughs) or 15 kilometers an hour. The steering feels completely different. different, So you have to adjust constantly for that. Now, is it worth it? You know, as far as, you know, they, they want to make sure that you have both hands on the wheel and that you're not crossing over on the steering wheel and things. You know, variable ratio. Steering systems have been around for a long time. You yes, know, m- mechanical ones, you know, with 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 the, the dents and, uh, and the and, and the in the steering rack, rack yep. yeah, are different at the ends than in the center. You know, right. for proper on center feel at high speeds and and more lock when you're when you're really turning hard. So that's all good. This is a new way of doing it, but right now there's just like too much variation. Okay, <laughs> <we do>. yeah. <laughs> so it's a
1: calibration thing. It, yeah, maybe. Yeah, so yeah,
0: hopefully, yeah. hopefully they. They fine-tune that and yeah. I think that's the reason why also uh that this is not going to be available right from the start of production, but right. only at only at um only at a later um later date. Um in terms of pricing, you know, obviously it's it's Alexis. So they have three trims, signature, luxury, and executive. So it varies between you know in Canadian dollars sixty four nine hundred sixty to seventy three five fifty and up to eighty nine fifty uh, dollars. Okay. Um, so obviously, no incentives here. Yeah. You know? <laughs> so you're, you're, you're you're in paying, dark territory. here yeah, you're, 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 you're on your own, buddy. <laughs> you're, you're you're paying full full pop. Um, so you know, like that, a little bit. A little bit disappointed by this vehicle, you know. I was expecting a little bit more from from Lexus that they they really gave this vehicle its true, yeah. you know, identity and and something like the steer by wire system. Let's face it, you know, a lot of their customers are just not going to go for that. Mm-hmm. They say their clientele is going to be younger for this vehicle, yeah, and more um, and newcomers to the brand and things like that. But let's face it, you know, the Lexus customers are usually older, and this kind of Steering is going to feel pretty wonky to them. <laughs> yeah, I, I believe so.
1: And then, and then the same goes for the charging. I mean, we were talking yeah. about the Solterra and the BZ4X. Hmm. I mean, I think it affects, you know, I was talking about Subaru buyers and hmm. how, how adventurous and, 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 you know, like outgoing they are. And, well, the, the, the turndown would be, you know, the fact that you can't charge on a level three charger twice a day or more than twice a day. The RZ customers, I think, well, you know, maybe it's going to be a little bit more, going to accept that a little bit more maybe mm-hmm. uh, because uh, it's a vehicle that's going to be charged at home and maybe not do as much mileage as as a Solterra. Uh, however, uh, it's definitely something that uh, you, you, you brought it up. You said, you know, it d- disappointed a little bit because how are these vehicles going to keep the buyers within the brand, mm-hmm. you know, during the electric shift, and this is what I'm worried about, you know, for the for, for those brands because or and the buyers and saying, well, you know, Subaru owners, Lexus owners, Toyota owners are very very loyal, you know, and now you're sending you're kind of sending them, you know, out and you know outside to say, well, everybody's doing a little better technically, uh, sometimes on certain facets are much more uh, much better, and you say, well. Uh, We're betting on reliability, but then we can't, you know, warranty fully. You know, with the, the reliability that we're going to guarantee in 10 years. And then, you know, it's kind of a, it's a big, 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 big gamble for them.
0: And I, and a- and I think it's symptomatic of the fact that they're late to the party and they know it. Oh, yeah. So know, that's, so. It. Well, without saying it, <laughs>
1: <Exactly>. <laughs> without saying, but the, 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 it's going to cost them a lot yeah, exactly. for, to, to, for that. Um, I, I want to come back to the the pricing on the Solterra for, as a comparison, uh, because I didn't say it. Uh, Solterra uh, starts at fifty four two ninety five. Um, um, and then you have two trims. Uh, one is a luxury trim, which is forty one hundred on top of that, uh, and seventy eight hundred dollars for the tech package, which has everything in it. Um, so you're basically talking about a sixty two thousand dollar or sixty thousand dollar, you know, average if you want a, a nicely equipped uh, a, a Solterra, which is a, a chunk of change. I mean, when mm-hmm. you when when you're, you're you're looking at it, you know, like a sixty thousand uh, dollar Subaru. And you have these little restrictions or just the, the interior finish. I mean, if you get into the Subaru Soltero, it's a, a bit like like uh, um, uh, what you mentioned about the RZ, but uh, completely different. It's just, uh, you know, if when you're paying $60,000 for a vehicle, it's kind of you're expecting a little bit more um and uh and that's about that. So, uh a lot of things to know about uh, these two vehicles. You can read the articles on uh, carguideweb.com and uh we're going to move on to another vehicle that you've drove uh, today uh, uh this week actually it was the 2023 Land Rover Range Rover Sport.
0: Yeah, exactly, the Land Rover Range Rover Sport, probably, you know, one of the longest names in the business <laughs> when you when, yeah. you when you look at everything, but uh yeah. um yeah, this is a vehicle that was actually um unveiled about a year ago in New York City, mm-hmm. and um, you know, I, re- I remember being at the unveiling of this uh, of this vehicle. They had a, a huge presentation to show us the styling and this and that, and the other thing. And before that, they showed us a film, you know, a video that they had shot of some female stunt driver who's going to race. Uh, the water gushing out of a spillway of a dam somewhere in Scandinavia, very elaborate yeah. production, you know, with helicopters and everything. Obviously, <laughs> all of this is staged. Obviously, she's going to make it. Yeah. But it, it just goes to show, you know, the kind of... Um, the kind of money that they're pouring into to marketing this this uh this vehicle when none of the owners of uh, or buyers of a Range Rover Sport are ever going to attempt anything oh, yeah. other and you know anything that crazy or even just you know, driving it off-road, you know, let's yep. face it, those cars are, are being driven on pavement exclusively, and they're being driven, you know, to, to go to work, drive the kids to school, or to hockey practice, or whatever, and things like that. Yep. So, it's more of like a, a, a status thing, and it's, it's true of all the Land Rovers, you know, the cars are technically capable of doing some serious off-roading, yep. but none of their owners, or, you know, pretty much, Ninety-nine point nine percent of them will will never
1: use the, this kind of uh, of capability. Mm-hmm. It's good to know that you can have it. You you the water weighting capacity, yeah, exactly, and stuff things like, like that. that. But
0: the styling is 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 really nice. You know, the, I mean, Land Rover styling right now. The the, the cars look really good. Yes, uh, very modern, very sleek, very uh, and and same with the interior. You yeah, know, the interior is really high level uh, in terms of uh, materials that are used or Quality of fit and finish, things like that. Minimalistic look, very digital. Yeah, very digital. Huge screen, that uh, that PV Pro screen, Um, and uh, so and and it's very you know it's light and airy. There's lots of light that comes into the vehicle, things like that. It's very comfortable. It's in the in the case of the Range Rover Sport, it's also the most dynamic of the of the range. Yeah. So it's not quite as fun to drive as a Porsche Cayenne or you know BMW X5 or something like that. Mm-hmm. But it's still you know they're doing it doing it a little bit tuned towards more uh, sporty driving, which is yeah, which is kind of cool power plants that's where it gets interesting because you still get the V8 with the uh P53 first edition that's cool so yeah, yeah. but th- let's face it the most interesting one is the uh, P440e which has the you know the the, the, the battery and mm-hmm. that so that that plug-in hybrid that's changes the the uh, the whole outlook with regards to fuel consumption because obviously with the V8 you're looking at you know, you're averaging it absurd amounts. <laughs> 12, you're averaging like 12. I did like 12.7. Oh, that's not so bad. Yeah, it's not so bad, but oh. you know, a lot of highway driving. So yeah, there you go. Um, so it's, um, it, it's, a, it's an interesting vehicle, um, for you know, like a niche market. It's also, again, very expensive, and let's face it, Land Rover still doesn't have the reliability issues sorted because they're still languishing at the bottom of the uh, JD Power Vehicle Dependability Survey. Yes. They're dead last, and they've been dead last for for many years. Mm -hmm. So, there's some, you know, if if you're looking at buying this for the long run, um, not really advisable. yeah, yeah. (laughs) If you're leasing it for the length of the warranty, that's another story. Yeah. Uh, but that 's very much uh, regretfully uh, a problem with uh, with uh, with land rover i didn 't have any issues the, the short time that I drove yeah. the, the test vehicle, but then again you know it 's like that 's like a, like a week 's time it 's not it 's not like three years' time
1: yeah it 's crazy uh, Land Rover owners are like that too you know they yeah. they kind of, they 're very r- loyal to the brand i mean uh, a friend of mine uh, has uh, owns a, 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 a um, uh, uh, Land Rover, uh, um, discovery. And he's, um, He's uh, woke up one morning, uh, it was raining and during the night, he woke up one morning, it's a brand new, brand new vehicle, well, not brand new, a couple of years old, but uh, woke up one morning and a cup holders were full of water, you know, okay. <laughs> and then he says, he calls and he's, he lives remotely, a little bit re- remotely, so uh, the dealerships for Land Rovers are, are two hours away, the the one in Quebec City and two hours away in, in Montreal, so, and he, he says, I want to buy something else, what do you, you know what can I buy? I so, well, you can look at BMW Audi or you can even look at Stellantis, whatever Jeep, if you like Jeeps, because he does a little bit of off-roading where he lives. It's, it's not a paved road. And, uh, you know, you want something that's close to you if you need to, to, to go to the dealership. And I, 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 I pull up a whole bunch of different you know, range of vehicles, even I, I had the Telluride, you right. know, for Kia, which is, which is, he needs big vehicles. So I says, well, this is going to be okay. You know, you're going to have more, uh, it's not going to rain in your cup holders anymore. And then he, he goes out and uh, a couple of weeks later, he's like, oh, I bought a car. And I'm like, oh, cool! What would you buy? A Land Rover Defender. He's <laughs> 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 like, oh, I went to the car motors and 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 then ended, ended up buying a Land Rover Defender. It looks so good! It looks so good. Yeah. So, okay. you know, a very loyal customer is very. And then even if it was, it, it, it's kind of a big assembly problem that he found. out. he says, I don't, I don't care. I, you, there was nothing in in the list that was showing him. It was all uh, uh, safe. It was all uh, logical purchases, but. For him, it, he was emotionally attached to the land. Yeah, yeah, the cachet,
0: it. the cachet is
1: powerful. Yeah, no, that's it. That's yeah. it. There you go. In the news uh, in Canada, uh, we've been uh, we. we We've been talking a lot about the uh, Canadian uh, automotive industry and the shift uh, with electric vehicles. There's uh, uh, a couple of plants that are retooling, uh, uh, for example, with Stellantis in Brampton and with the Challenger and Charger. Uh, uh, doing the shift uh, with uh, electric vehicles. And uh, we saw a couple of of initiatives, like the Project Arrow uh, that you uh, you saw at the CES, uh, a project that was uh, composed solely of uh, Canadian components, Canadian manufactured components, not a concept vehicle per se for production, but a big showcase uh, for what the Canadian uh, auto industry can do uh, for that uh, EV shift. Uh, Volkswagen announced last year that it was going to invest in uh, a battery plant uh, in Canada. We didn't know exactly where. Uh, now, uh, this week, it was the deal was finalized, and uh, Saint Thomas. Uh, The city of uh, St. Thomas in Ontario is going to get this battery plant, a pretty big battery plant, uh, acres and acres, thousands of acres of land uh, apparently have been reserved for this plant. We don't know exactly uh, geographically in the area where it's going to be, but we can appreciate the fact that it's close to Windsor. Close enough to Windsor uh, uh, to be able to uh, to make this uh, this a strategic uh, position, and far enough from from the big centers for uh, uh, employees and everyone to be able to to kind of afford the rent over there. Uh, what's interesting is that um, with Volkswagen investing in Canada, it's it's not only they could have gone to uh, the United States; some incentives over there, are interesting. Um, During the announcement last year, Volkswagen said, well, it's important to diversify our sources. For uh, electrical uh, uh, components uh, to be able to do the shift for electric cars. And it's been, it's been said that, you know, they didn't mention any, any countries or anything, but they said that, you know, we have, we have to be able to uh, diversify those sources to not be able to, to not, not to have to depend on, on certain sources. Well, you know, l- let's state it outright. Yeah. You know,
0: <laughs> Volkswagen has a huge presence in China. Yes. We all know that China is a huge uh, producer of yes. uh, electric uh, batteries electric cell. Yeah, actually, the num- the number one uh, selling electric car brand is not Tesla. It's not Volga. It's, it's BYD, uh, the Chinese company. It's Chinese company BYD. Yes, BYD, which stands for Build Your Dreams. Obviously, you know a lot of the batteries are made in China, Korea as well. Huge supplier. Yes, for uh, for batteries. But again, you know, if you're, if you're looking at the, geopolit- the geopolitical scene right now and what's happening in Russia and Ukraine and all that and the tensions with China and things, yes. like, it makes sense for any manufacturer now to, to, you know, not put your eggs in one basket. Exactly. Literally. And to, you know, have capacity, production capacity elsewhere yep. that you can, you know, maintain the the, the supply chains in, in case there's a, a, some sort of disruption. Yes. And in case, you know, in, Quite frankly, in case your uh, uh, your 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 battery provider in in China or whatever decides that they're going to sell their batteries to BYD now, and, yeah. and no longer to you, uh, or only so. sell
1: you the uh, the the lower products and exactly. keep the best products for themselves. So there's
0: there's there's that issue. So controlling your supply, controlling your manufacturing of something that's as important. You know, the batteries basically replaced. The engine, yeah. <laughs> you know. So if you're mm-hmm. if you're BMW, you were used to build, you know, engines and so and so, yeah. so, so forth. You built your own engines. Now it's like you're going to need to build your own battery, or at least yeah. have a supplier that's going to
1: give you what you're going to need. For manufacturing, yeah, and in Canada, well, we all know in Ontario and Quebec have uh, plenty of resources: uh, cobalt, yeah, exactly. lithium. Yeah. a lot of companies are popping up now, and everybody's trying to get in on the party. Uh, if you if you if you're involved remotely in the stock market, you're you're seeing all these companies pitching uh, uh, these um, these these ideas and saying, "Well, they have uh, you know uh, rights to, to certain, certain uh, uh, places where 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 we can source the, the materials." Uh, it's it's a good thing. It's a good thing for Volkswagen because of stability. It's a good thing for for the automotive industry and the mining industry as well. But uh, you know, this plant could have been could have been somewhere else in Canada as well, uh, as you as you heard this week.
0: Yeah, exactly. So we we heard uh, from uh, the Quebec uh, e- economics uh, minister minister of the economy that apparently you know Quebec was in the running to get to get that plant, but one of the key issues was the fact that. Uh, uh, the quebec, quebec government couldn't supply an adequate uh level of uh, electricity of you know of, of, of jews that's current. kind of, that's <laughs> kind of ironic, ironic too because kind of <laughs> ironic when you think that you know we're the, the you know uh, the, the world's you know, <laughs> hydroelectric yes <laughs> <laughs> you know power you know, it's we're, we're <laughs> one of the, the the biggest ones there so uh, yeah, that's that's a bit of a shocker yeah. to me, you know, because yeah. I would have expected that we'd be able to handle, you know, the, the hydro Quebec would have been able to handle that that kind of uh, request yes. for load. Yeah. Now it's going to be in Ontario, and we all know where they get it, their electricity from: nuclear power. So, mm. you know, it's a bit of a shame.
1: But it's, you know, it's going to be, it's, it's kind of a lesson, I guess, for, yeah. for bureaucracy as well in Quebec. Mm. And, and kudos to Ontario, uh, to be able to close that deal. Uh, and, uh, in the future, probably, it's going to be a pretty stable thing with Volkswagen, even if the, now in North America, only the ID4. Is 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 happening? But yeah, but, there's gonna but be a you lot
0: know, we know what's going to happen with Scout. Yes. you know, they're, they're, that's they have they, bought that that name, and that's going to be uh, in order to produce pickup trucks and produce uh, SUVs with electric power, uh, with Scout and. Um, you know, they're go- uh, Volkswagen's already announced that they're going to invest two billion dollars in order to to build the plant to produce those vehicles yes. somewhere on the east coast of the United States. So, <clears throat> if the batteries are coming down from St. Thomas, Ontario, that's not too much of a stretch.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um also uh, in Canadian Automotive News I just wanted to mention that um uh, Nova Scotia and Michelin uh, have uh, something going on uh, that was announced this week 300 million an in investment from Michelin to retool uh, three plants in Nova Scotia which is uh, uh, going to produce uh, some uh, EV tires, uh, tires aimed for for EV vehicles, but also light-duty truck tires and, and, and SUV tires. Uh, that's pretty good for Nova Scotia as well. Uh, also in the news, you uh, went to see the Kia EV9 uh, presentation. It was uh, officially unveiled in production form. Uh, didn't get to drive it yet, I believe, but uh, it's got some details over there and uh, t- took a glance at the uh, Stormtrooper looks of this 3-row <laughs> <Exactly>. SUV. <laughs> yeah,
0: so I flew to Seoul because uh, Kia decided to... Uh, to unveil um the Kia EV9 in uh its home country <laughs> of course yes. South Korea and I also um ran into uh obviously Karim Habib who uh is their head of design.
1: That's at, right. At yeah, yeah, Karim local he, man.
0: Yeah, Karim is actually born in Lebanon but the fam- his family moved to Montreal when he was just a uh, an infant, and he basically grew up in in Montreal and became a car designer. Worked at BMW for a long time, yep. short stint at Mercedes Benz. Then he went to Infinity, and now Kia. And now he's the top man in terms of design at, at Kia. So, with regards to the EV nine. Um when you look at the photos on our website you will see that it looks remarkably like <laughs> the Kia EV9 concept, concept yeah. that was shown in Los Angeles in I 2021 I think. Yeah. And um so it it really you know the Karim Habib's uh, design philosophy for Kia is called Opposites United, you mm-hmm. know, so they're taking you know different inspirations and putting them together uh in this vehicle that looks you know very different than what you've seen in the suv uh, segment yes uh, or even the electric uh, the ev segment as well so it's um it's a really um uh, just that you know it, it looks very much like the um, like the concept and that's to me that's a good thing yeah because it's really going to stand out yeah um so in terms of, uh, you know, we, we have no information yet on pricing. Mm-hmm. Uh, we That's going to be announced uh, at the um, New York Auto Show because Kia is going to do its uh, first uh, reveal of the uh, production vehicle at uh, the New York Auto Show. That's going to be its first public uh, appearance. Right. So so we'll have we'll have some uh some some pricing information to 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 give you uh at that time. Yeah. But you know it's going it's um it's a, it's a really an interesting uh vehicle in that you know we're talking about a large capacity battery. Uh we're talking about, you know, a, a lot of a lot of range uh for that that vehicle and also we're talking about a three row mm-hmm. uh, electric SUV which is, you know, basically yeah, a, a big thing you know, yeah. there's not
1: that many competing vehicles that are offering this kind of um, well still highly best. in demand on the on the uh, 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 gas powered uh, SUV segment now. Uh, three-row SUVs is, is in demand, and it's a strategic, a strategic d- decision to be able to make uh, uh, this kind of big SUV with the same platform uh, uh, as the... It's, it's pretty much the same platform as the EV6 and the Ionic 5, right?
0: Yeah, exactly, but with, a, you know, a, a larger um, larger uh, battery. Yeah. And so we're looking about, you know, there'll be... Um, uh, obviously, an all-wheel drive version with uh, two electric motors with a combined power output of 400 horsepower. That's quite That's a lot. Pretty long. impressive. Yeah, and um, and uh, it even has a towing capacity of up to 3,500 pounds. You yeah. know, which is pretty 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 wild. 0 to 60 they're giving us uh, American spec 6 seconds and as far as range they're looking at 418 uh, kilometers. Okay. So, obviously this is WLTP kind of range. Yeah. Um so obviously uh, EPA it's will It's going to be, be a little lower. Yeah, about by about about 11%. Um so it's you know what really sets this apart is the styling, obviously the exterior styling, but also the interior because um the first and the second row uh, are are built on rails, so you can move them forward, uh, fore and aft. Okay, cool. Know, uh, uh, so you can have, although you can have, you know, like more leg room in in, in the second row, or mm-hmm. you know, more cargo room. And um, obviously, you know, two very large screens. Um, and there's also a third screen, which is sort of like uh, vertical between the you know, you basically have your one screen in front of the driver for driving information the other one more in the center for yeah entertainment. Uh, entertainment and for so. entertainment but there's also a, a third screen that looks uh, more like uh, the size of a, a smartphone okay and this will give you uh, some other you know other information from 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 the vehicle so in terms of the of the styling it's it's very very uh, out there in terms of exterior design yeah. but also in terms of interior design and they're it's refreshing. It's yeah. refreshing that they, to, to see that they they're going that that way with that vehicle. I also went to the design center in Namyang. And of course, they took our phones and our cameras away, <laughs> but we were able to peek at some some stuff and some new products that they've got coming down the, the pike. And let me tell you that the future electric vehicles from Kia are going to look a lot like the EV9. So if you agree with that kind of styling, okay. you know that it's going to be coming in smaller vehicles, smaller um, electric SUVs, and also... In a sedan, uh, which is going to be their version of the Ionic Six. Oh, so <laughs> okay, so, okay, spicy. So, I like yeah, it. <laughs> yeah. So, you, well, you know, it's to be expected that they're going to do a car. Yeah, obviously with with that platform as well. So, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see. Um, what the response is to this uh, this new design by Kia, but it's, uh, yeah. it's certainly bold yeah. and it's certainly out there.
1: Yeah, and it's definitely a little bit Canadian because of current Exactly. Bit, so that's cool. There you go. Um, next up, you saw, uh, quickly you saw the, uh, the Audi Active Sphere concept as well in uh, Denver, if I'm not mistaken.
0: Exactly. The Audi Active Sphere concept, you know, it's a concept car from uh, Audi. It's the fourth one of their so-called Sphere series. There was the, yes. the Sky Sphere, the Grand Sphere, and the Urban Sphere. Now it's the Act here. And as you can imagine, it's, um, all of those vehicles, uh, they're all concepts, by the way. None of them are slated for production yet. They're all electric. They're all theoretically capable of level four driving. Yeah. You know, if, if they can produce the technology for that. And, um, they, they, uh, all have different, obviously, uh, uh intents or, you yep. know, the, the basic, uh, basic, um, Different designs, but this active sphere is made to, uh, for, for the people who have an active lifestyle. Mm-hmm. So basically it looks like a, uh, the top part of the vehicle looks very much like a sleek, uh, fastback sedan, yep. um, very much like an A7. Um, but the lower part looks very rugged, uh, like an SUV. So, you know, with cladding on the rocker panels and things of course, like that, that then D, yeah. variable ride right height, big wheels, Rugged. tires, exactly. So it's very interesting, but most importantly, it looks like a coupe, but it can transform into a pickup truck at the press of a button because basically the, the back part, the back glass slides over onto the roof okay. and exposing this... Uh, area where you can strap a bike, an e-bike, or oh, skis, or an hydrofoil, or things like that, okay. and carry that in the in in the back of the of the vehicle. So it's um it's kind of unique uh for that. And they decided to show this car in Aspen. Now, why Aspen, you ask? Because Audi sponsors, um, the World Championship of uh, skiing, Alpine skiing. Okay, and that was one of the races was taking place over that weekend. Right, and you know Aspen. I don't know if you know. <laughs> I was my first
1: visit to Aspen. Oh, I've was it? Been yeah, I've been there. I've been there once, and I know how how out of place I was. <laughs> exactly, because six thousand people live there yeah. permanently.
0: But of those six thousand people, fifty apparently are billionaires. Okay,
1: <laughs> that's a higher ratio than
0: the city of New York. You know, New York that's is like crazy. A, has like one hundred and thirty or one hundred and fifty billionaires, but uh, it's like you know, twenty million yeah, people w- live there. Yeah, with the ratio, yeah. So. So the reason so Audi has a huge presence because they're sponsoring the race. They had, of course, in parks they had the uh, outdoor displays with the Audi e-tron GT, with uh, the Q4, with uh, all of their you know electrified vehicles. But they also used this opportunity to showcase the uh, the Active Sphere concept. Uh And um, so it it. Gives you an idea of where they're going in terms of styling with, uh, with their electric vehicles. And, and we know now that these, these four concepts, one of them has a good chance of, um, of, of making it into production, not in its actual form, yeah. but something that's going to look very much like that because the Grand Sphere, their, their flagship, uh, car, yep. uh, luxury car, electric, that's going to be the next A8. Mm-hmm. so we know that and the designer Charles Lefranc who's from France uh, works for Audi at the Audi design loft in Malibu i was told he's <laughs> working on the design of that series production oh, electric flagship and he did design of the active sphere so it's going to be interesting to see how okay. uh, how things pan out with regards to Audi and electric as you know you know the the brand is going full electric and so they're 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 moving ahead with that so um all these sphere concept, including the active sphere, gives you an, an indication of where they're they're yeah. going in terms of uh, in terms of design.
1: Okay, cool. very good. We can't wait to see what's in what's in store for that. What the what's in what's in the crystal ball or crystal sphere for the uh, for the uh, Audi next up for Audi for, for the electrification. On our next podcast, uh, we're going to talk about the... Uh, I've, I've been driving the Hummer EV SUV. I drove the Hummer EV pickup uh, last year, exactly a year ago, and uh, last week was the Hummer EV SUV counterpart. I can't say anything about it except for the fact that it's big and it's heavy. <laughs> and it's about 9,000 pounds and it's very American, uh, but uh, driving impressions are on, under embargo until the next podcast episode, so we're, we're going to talk about that. And you are going to talk to us about the uh, Uh, something that you drove lately, the BMW XM.
0: Yeah, the BMW XM, that's the, uh, again, uh, we'll have to wait a little bit uh, later to, to, to share our impressions with that. But basically, it is the second, only the second, full M vehicle produced by the M division. The first one was of course the M1 uh, sports car was, was unveiled in the Paris Motor Show in 1978 and it, it ran for the uh, late 70s early 80s. It was also the car that served as the um, a racing series called the Pro Car Championship. I don't know if you remember that. No, but, I don't remember that. But basically back in those days they had assembled a whole bunch of BMW M1s race worthy and Formula 1 drivers of the time did a race in those cars as support races for the Formula One Grand Prix wow, of the time in Europe. Nice. So, so much fun stuff going on. Yeah, then. exactly. <laughs> so this XM is not a sports car. Yeah. You know, it is an SUV. It's a sports performance SUV. Uh, it's going to cost a fortune. Yep. And part of the reason why they want it to cost a fortune is because they want to go head-to-head with things like the Lamborghini Urus. Yeah. Uh, oh, yes. And the Ferrari Purosangue, yeah. Sangue. And, yeah. you know, uh, yeah. all these... Uh, the elite Martin, SUV uh, elites. DBX 707. Yeah. So you're looking at a very high-performance uh uh, vehicle, uh, but it's also going to be the first electrified M vehicle because it's it has also uh, electric drive mm-hmm. as a uh, in conjunction with the twin turbo 4.4 liter V8, which has been retuned for that application. So. Yep. So yeah,
1: <laughs> very exclusive car, very exclusive car, and very it, wild yeah. design. It's going to be a big canvas for an art car, BMW art yeah, car. Pretty <laughs> Let much, me yeah, saw. pretty <laughs> you much. previously talked about like the M1.
0: <laughs> but we'll be able to talk to you about it uh, in more detail uh, uh, at our at our later date in our next uh, next podcast.
1: Cool. Thank you for listening, everyone, and drive safe. Uh, we will be back in a couple of weeks for uh, the Car Guide podcast episode eleven.
0: Thank you for listening to the Car Guide Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe and leave us a review if you'd like. Visit us at CarGuideWeb.com for daily updates and news on everything auto, as well as weekly reviews and drives. You can also follow us on Facebook, TikTok, YouTube, and Instagram at the official carguide.